1: God didn't make us to be a rock or an island. See, God made you and me to love him and to love others. We need to be held accountable and encouraged to keep our commitments that we made. We've all, as the Bible said, committed to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. Deny ourselves. Take up our cross
0: and follow him. Some Christians try to live out their Christian lives in isolation. However, there's one problem with this it's not biblical. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that we haven't been called to be an island. We are called to live in community with other believers. God has made us to love others. He's called us to be accountable to others in the church and to hold others accountable. How are you doing? Are you tempted at times to live your life in isolation? Pastor Mark warns that you will never grow in your Christian life that way. Hear God's call from his word and get connected. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew with his continuing study entitled Why Church? Connect
1: Connecting in personal relationships with people helps me, closes the gap, fixes the chain, and helps me to commit so then I can celebrate. So, the missing part of many, 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 many Christians. In a growing relationship with the Lord, oh, they've made a commitment and they want to feel good about their growing walk, but they've stopped growing because there is not this connection to people, people who will hold them accountable. People who will hold them accountable. Now, you say, well, I don't, does that, I'm not sure that's biblical. We're supposed to love God and supposed to love people. What? I don't want people in my life. I I don't need them in there to kind of mess up and get in and figure out where I'm at. Well, yes, you do. And it's very biblical. In Matthew 16, notice what it says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, plural. When Jesus came to this earth, he was going to reproduce his life in someone else. So he said to his father, How many do I need? God said 12. 12, not one, 12. So he surrounded himself with 12 people. He was obeying the first two commands. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, spirit. Boom, boom, boom. And love your neighbor as yourself. He had had these 12 that he was reproducing his life in. He was connecting to them. This is the first example. Now, as you see that happening... You say to me, what does this word connect mean? You don't need to write it down, but here's what connect means. It's a community of people. It's a group of people like you. It's a group of people who share common interests, who are personally related, with a goal of learning to do life together. Well, as you see that, Jesus spent three years with these 12. They were a group. They were learning to do life together. They worshiped God, and they were related to one another. And Jesus was always encouraging these disciples to become more like him. Now, when Jesus went back to heaven, what happened in the early church? Was there any connection of the people in the early church? I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to go through the first five chapters of Acts very quickly, just a few verses Actually, one or two in every chapter, maybe skip a verse or two. I want you to see if the early church got it. Did they understand it takes more than a commitment? Did they get it? Did they understand it? Acts chapter 1, scoot on down, down to verse 14. Acts 1 14. They all joined together. Constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Scoot over to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate with glad and sincere hearts. Now, if you're awake at all, you should see some kind of a common thread appearing. Is there a word that maybe comes to mind Together. together? So we have more, but did the early church get it? Yes, they did get it. Do you get it? The church was the place of love and answers. Well, skip on down to chapter 5. Actually, chapter 4, verse 24. 4, 24. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Now, chapter 5, verse 12. You're right near there. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. So just these few verses in the book of Acts, the disciples who had learned to connect to Jesus in personal relationships, they took it because they were the start of the early church. They said to the early church on that day of Pentecost, 3,000, here's what we have to do. We have to be connected to God. Obviously, we have to obey that commandment. But we have to be connected to one another. So we need to get together. And they began practicing the very model that Jesus showed them for three years. Now, the people had made this commitment to be a growing follower of Jesus, and they began to celebrate because of that. But the reason it worked where did they meet together? Where did they hang out together? How did this relationship, this one to one relationship, four, five, seven, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, thousands, how did they connect? Well, look at verse 42. You're already there in Acts 5. Look how the early church did it. Verse 42. Let's see how they met together. What kind of settings? Day after day in the temple courts and From house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So where did they learn to connect? What two places? (laughs) Temple courts. Remember, church didn't, first 300 years, they didn't meet inside, except maybe a rental building, later acts and whatever, Paul. They didn't meet in, they met in the temple courts, they just met in this huge setting like this. They connected together. But where else did they meet? House to house. They met in small groups where they could be more intimate with one another. They could actually know one another. They could pray for one another. They could encourage one another. Now, if we, the church, go back to this pattern, what would happen to the church? Well, look at chapter 6. You're right there. Verse 1. If you look at this verse, the Bible says, In those days, the days where they met in homes and they met in a big group setting, in those days when the number of disciples was, what was it doing? Why was it increasing? Because if you wanted to be loved, if you wanted somebody to care for you, if you wanted to be involved in someone's life helping them, because we're made to do that, if you wanted to obey the great commandment of loving God with our heart my body, soul spirit, and loving one another as yourself, you had to be in both places. You did in this corporate setting like we're doing here. but there had to be smaller groups where you could get more related and connect to those people. If you did that, the church flourished. Now here's a statement I want you to write in your Bible. Don't ever forget this statement. This is God's will for his church. God wants his church to grow larger and smaller at the same time. At the same time. We don't grow the church. God does. God grows his church. Because God just continues to grow his church. Why? Because here's a place where you can get loved and get answers to life from the Bible. So understand at the very same time God wants us to grow large. But if you're going to do that and be healthy, you gotta grow small. You gotta get into smaller units. When we were in England this year, I took a picture of this sign, went into this church that had been there forever. You are invited to go inside the Pyro Church where Christian worship has been offered for eight hundred and fifty years. That's not enough. It is not enough to come to a big service every week. It is not enough. You need some type of a small group. It is not enough, and you're going to struggle in your walk with God. You say, I don't think that's biblical. Oh, it's very biblical. I just began to read you. Now, if I'm going to follow God, if I'm going to understand that, then. I have to kind of go against the trend of the world. Let me read you a song. Many of you from the past, you know the song, Paul Simon's song. It's, I am a rock. Let me read it to you. A winter's day in a deep and dark December. I am alone, gazing from my window to the streets below. On a freshly fallen silent shroud of snow. I am a rock. I am an island. I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty, that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and loving. I disdain. I'm a rock. I'm an island. Now, don't talk of love. Oh, but I've heard the word before. It's sleeping in my memory. I won't disturb the slumber of my feelings that have died If I never loved, I would have never cried. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I am shielded in my armor, hiding in my room, safe within my womb. I touch no one. No one touches me. I'm a rock. I'm an island. And a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. Great song. God didn't make us to be a rock or an island. See, God made you and me to love him and to love others. We need to be held accountable and encouraged to keep our commitments that we made, we've all, as the Bible said, committed to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. We made that commitment. Jesus said, if you're gonna call yourself, if you're gonna follow me, here's, what, here's the three things you gotta do. We all made it. But I need help for somebody to hold me accountable and encourage me to keep that commitment. Oh, it can be done here some, But it's done much better in a smaller group. Certainly God does that in my quiet time and yours. But he involves people in our lives. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Toward the back of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 3. It's the last place you'll be today, Hebrews chapter 3. Not to the book of Revelation, you've gone too far. Hebrews chapter 3, down to verse 12. Now, let me give you the preface. The writer of the Hebrews, many people think it's Paul, was addressing believers, Christians, like you and me. He's addressing them. How does, that, how does that look? He's giving them a warning. Let's begin. Verse 12, verse 12. He says, see to it, brothers, Christians, that, circle this word, none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart That, circle these two words, turns away from the living God. So there's a warning from Paul that believers, listen, this is not unbelievers, these are Christians like you and me. There's a warning that if I'm not careful, I can turn away from following God. By the way, the word turn away means apostasy, falling away from God. So the writer says, my goal, as you read this verse and practice one, I'm going to tell you, my goal is how many will fall from God? I ask you a circle of word. What was the word? None. So is, he, is the writer satisfied with if 80% don't fall away? No, he's not. He doesn't want how many to fall away? Nobody. I don't want you falling away from your commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I don't want you to do it. So he gives this incredible warning to don't do it. Now, let me share with you, I'm going to give you two ways that we can turn away. Turn away. I mean, turn away and following God is an oxymoron. Turn away and following God. Let me give you two ways this morning that that can happen. So I want you to see this very practically in your life. And by the way, what I'm getting ready to show you, all of us have done. Has anybody here as a Christian ever said, God, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth? And he says, uh, I'd like you to go witness to your neighbor across the Well, I don't know, neighbor across the street. <laughs> and we don't do it. Well, sure. And then others, has anybody ever been in a dry period in your life spiritually? Wilderness. Nothing seems to be happening. We lost our zeal, we lost our heart for God. There's no passion. Anybody? We've all been there. Well, how did it happen? Did it happen like this? You get up one morning. Well, I guess I'm going to walk away from God today. (laughs) Well, did it? No, because we already made a what? A commitment not to do that. So this is a process. And it comes from a deceitfulness of Satan who gets us discouraged and defeated. So what is the scripture warning about? Turning away from following God. In other words, not obeying his commands. Let me show you two ways. Two ways. I make a decision to go a different direction. I'm going to follow my path. God said, I want you to do this. You can't change the job over there. I don't want you moving. I don't want you dating that person. I don't want you buying that you've been trying to get out of debt. I've asked you not to look at that television show. And so in the morning, I'm fine, but I just decide to turn away and walk another road. That's one way. That will relate to some of you this morning. We've all been there. I just did my thing. I turned away. I decided my way was better. I'm dating a non-believer. I've been warned. Don't do that. It's not good. You can't walk together. I'm sleeping with someone in there. I'm not married. I'm having an affair. I'm watching porn. Or it's just as simple as God says, I want you to stay at that job. I don't like that job. I want you there until I move you. I'm going to change jobs. By the way, follow this path. Is there celebration at the end of this path? We've been there. And by the way, the whole walk is not celebration. Because now I've lost the primary relationship of life is walking in unity with God. Remember the scriptures can two walk together unless they agree? So God's always walking on. Jesus is walking on. And this is one of those steps where I just stop. And by the way, the end of this path is miserable. It's all miserable. You've been there, I've been there. It's lonely, it never accomplishes what we want. Okay, here's the second one. This one's a little more deceptive. This one's a little more common in a Christian, all right? And all of a sudden, instead of turning the path, he's going on, I stop in my walk with God. I'm not growing anymore. I've just kind of gotten that dry period. I didn't get up in the morning and go, well, I'm tired of growing. I just... I don't have a zeal for God. I don't have an excitement for God. I'm not going to church on a regular basis. I'm not into the Word. I'm not in outright sin, but I, I'm just—I've just lost my zeal for God. I don't—I'm kind of lukewarm, like the church at Laodicea. I just don't care for the things of God. And yeah, I missed last week, and then I missed the next week. And you know, I used to have a friend devotion. And well, when you find yourself here, we're very good at justifying where we're at. But I want to ask you something: Did Did I get closer to Jesus when I stopped? Am I in the same relationship? No, Jesus always does what? He always is going forward. And so when I stop, I can have this mentality, I'm not doing bad. You are doing bad. You're right in the middle of sin. You're right in a place where you shouldn't be. You're farther from God. There's no communication. There's no relationship. By the way, this is a great picture of marriage, but I don't have time to go there. That's how divorces happen. This is exactly how divorces happen. See, we didn't get up in the morning saying to God, well, I'm going to dry, period. I'm not interested in you. It just happens. And it happens because of the deceitfulness of sin. Remember, God just continues on. If I'm going to be a follower, I have to follow. I can't stop because I'm farther than I need to be. In this verse and the next verse, we have the solution to the problem I just gave you. Since we've already admitted we all have that tendency, that tendency to stop in our growth, kind of get sidetracked, cares of life, all this kind of stuff, we have two warnings to us. The first warning you see here is to be aware of the deceitfulness of sin. You see, I didn't plan to do that, but I got sidetracked. Notice verse 13, you're right there. It says this, how do I do it? Number one, I have to be aware of How easy it is to get sidetracked because Satan hates followers. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. So that here's the goal again. None of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness, by sin's deceitfulness. So I'm to encourage one another. Who's the one another? It's people you're related to, not husband and wife. It's friends. It's other Christians. He's, he's, he's writing, he says, be careful of the deceitfulness of sin. Don't. Let me warn you not to fall away, not to stop, not to take your own path. And by the way, the way you do that is to realize you're prone to it. And number two, get yourself connected to a small group of people who can encourage you to urge, to exhort, to confront, to come alongside, to to action. Now, read this verse. It says, but encourage one another daily. Let me give you a Greek lesson this morning, okay? Let me give you the meaning of daily in the Greek. You can write this down. Here we go. Ready? Daily. So what does that mean? Daily. Yeah, maybe I have a little bottle of alcohol. One a day vitamins. Hello? What does that mean? Daily. Daily. Do you mean, Pastor Mark, I'm supposed to encourage or exhort or be around people besides God and my spouse to warn, to love, to be involved in life daily? House to house? Public? How does it work? Here's how it works. As you begin to see this flow, understand... We get discouraged. We get depressed. We get caught up in the pace of everyday life. Sometimes we get isolated from our friends. We didn't realize it. We're just isolated from people that can speak into us. And pretty soon, we've just stopped growing. And we're isolated. There's nobody around us. Oh, God's speaking to us. The problem is, my heart is
0: hard. As Christians, we need to learn to live together in community. As Pastor Mark shared, to be in community means that you share common interests and do life together. We can't live in our own little bubbles and expect to be successful as Christians. He shared how many times in the book of Acts, it talked about early believers sharing life together. We can't lose this emphasis if we want to be the church which Jesus calls us to be. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Of course, all of us as Christians want the church to grow. We want to see people come to Christ. However, in the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will share that God wants His church to grow and to shrink at the same time. God's desire is that we come together in small groups and learn to connect so that we can hold each other accountable. Being accountable helps us to be real, to keep sharp, and to grow spiritually. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His word made flesh in a herd